living a life of prayer. I want to just uh, begin by establishing kind of a base definition for prayer, because we all have different kind of perspectives and paradigms that maybe uh, church backgrounds or no church background that we've all come from. And so I want to just begin by establishing a common definition for prayer. And here's what it, here's what it looks like. Prayer, a conversation with God where, watch this, you talk to him and then you listen to him talk. Okay, so don't, don't lose sight of that second part. It's not just a one-way communication. A prayer involves listening and, and hearing what God wants to say as well. Now, a few weeks ago on Vision Sunday, we talked about how we are preparing this year for what God wants to do in our church, in our lives, in our community. And one of the ways that we said that we are going to prepare is that we are going to prepare by building a culture of prayer here in our church. How many of you think it's important to have a strong prayer culture in the, in the, in the body of Christ in the church? Amen. And so I just want to give you a couple, uh, a couple opportunities that you can be involved in helping to build that prayer culture. Most of you know we have Friday noon prayer every week here in the sanctuary uh, from 12 to 1. And that is open. It's open invite. I know many of you might be working at that time, but if you find yourself maybe having some free moments during that noon to one time, and you can pop in and, and join us in prayer, we certainly encourage you to do that on Fridays. Also, I want to let everyone know, I announced last week, we have a special prayer and worship service on March 10th. It's a Wednesday night. You can circle it on your calendar. Wednesday night, March 10th at 7 p.m. Now catch this part or you're going to be in the wrong place at our Metairie location. Okay, that's going to be in our Metairie location. We're going to join together with our friends and, and church family in Metairie on March 10th at 7 p.m. in just a special time of prayer and worship. We also have some other exciting prayer opportunities that I'm going to leave you on the edge of your seats. I'm going to roll them out next week. There's some good stuff coming next week on that front. And so don't miss that. We have more opportunities that you can be a part of to help us build this culture of prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, that being said, come on, y'all can talk to me today. Come on, don't make me feel lonely in here. That being said, we're going to turn our eyes to the screen. If you have your device, you can uh, look in your device. We're going to begin in James chapter 5 today. Maybe you have an actual uh, hard copy of the Bible. Come on, I see a few of you still hanging on right there. I got mine. And today we're going to be reading from James chapter 5 as we begin. The book of James was written by James, the brother of Jesus. And we're going to begin in verses 13 through 18 as we dive in today talking about prayer that works. Come on, how many of you want to pray in a way that works? We don't want to just pray and nothing happen. Come on, like we want to believe that when we pray, something's going to happen. James said, said this in verses 13 through 18. He said, is anyone among you in trouble? Well, pause right there. Come on, all you troubled people. Let them pray, James says. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And watch this, the prayer offered in, what's that word? In faith, the prayer offered in faith 
will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. There's forgiveness and healing when we pray in the name of Jesus, he says. Therefore, verse 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful. Come on, underline that. And effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, focus here, verse 17. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed, what's this word here? Earnestly. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Today, the title of today's message is Prayer That Works. Prayer That Works. Let's pray as we go into God's word this morning. God, we thank you uh, just for the opportunity to gather together in your house. And Lord, we thank you that, Lord Jesus, we can come to you in prayer and that our prayers are effective. God, that, that prayer actually works. God, that we don't just pray and, and think that nothing's going to happen. But God, when we pray, we expect that you are going to work through our prayers. Jesus, we just we, we pray today that you would reveal your, your heart to us as we look into your word. God, that you would help us to grow in our prayer lives. God, help us as a church to build this culture of prayer. And Lord, we pray in all things that you would be lifted up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, for those of you who uh, maybe don't know our family that well. We have three children. Laura and I have three children. Uh, our oldest, Colin, is 11. Uh, our middle son, Parker, is nine. And then Jackson, our youngest son, it's his birthday week, and he's about to turn six, okay? Now, here's what you need to know about Jackson on his birthday week. He thinks that he's actually in charge of our house all the time, not just on his birthday week. He really actually, I believe in his mind, thinks that he rules the roost. And he definitely tries to push his brothers around. And there are times where he will try. Come on, some of y'all know. I see you laughing because you know Jackson's personality. Look, I'm sure it'll be great older in life when he's like managing people or doing something leadership. But right now it's a little, it's a little problem, okay? Because here's what happens. Jackson frequently, not on occasion, will think of something he wants. And how many of you know five-year-olds aren't very self-sufficient, right? And so when he wants something, guess what he does? He tries to boss people around to get it. Like, hey, almost every day, I'm hungry. I want breakfast. And look, if, if I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm a little busy right now. Give me a minute. It only takes about 15, 20 seconds before he's reminding me again, in case I forgot 20 seconds ago, hey, I'm hungry. Get me breakfast. No, please. No, like, hey, could you please? Like, he's bossy, y'all, for a five-year-old, okay? <laughs> Look, and it's not just food. I mean, we can all get a little bossy with food from time to time, like, you know, when you hangry. But it's like if he wants the iPad, right? This, this iPad just so everyone knows, it's mine. <laughs> but Jackson thinks that it's his. He'll probably come in here after church and come straight to grab my iPad. If, if he's asking for the iPad, hey, can I, can I play the iPad? Hey, can I do the iPad? And I'm like, hey, just like not right now. Look, he's not going to forget about 
reminding me a few minutes later, right? Hey, uh, he started to collect baseball cards, and I, I, I was an avid card collector when I was younger. And uh, like last week, he was like, hey, can I look at your baseball cards? And I made the mistake of saying yes in a little while. Well, a five-year-old's take on a little while is like, when is a little while? It's been a little while. And, and so for probably about two days, he was reminding me because I was, I'm not going to get him out right now. And, and so he just kept reminding and reminding and reminding. And guess what happens most times? Most times when he's like bothering me, like for whatever it is, I'm, it's not going to take too many times before I begin to say, okay, what do you need? Here it is, right? Well, my question this morning is, what if God wanted us to become more like children going to their father with a determination to get what we want or what we need in prayer? In Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. There's something about childlike faith. And today in our text, we're looking at a passage written by James, the brother of Jesus. And he's kind of walking through like, here's what it looks like to live a life of prayer. When you pray, people get healed. When you pray, sins are forgiven. When you pray, things happen. And then he gives us this name of somebody that he's kind of challenging us to model our life of prayer after. And the name of the person is Elijah. Now, Elijah, if you're looking for a good model for a prayer life, I'd say Elijah is a pretty good one. This is the same Elijah who prayed and uh, the widow's dead son was raised to life. That's pretty good results. I don't know. I've never prayed and seen anyone raised to life. Pretty good results, right? He prayed. The widow's son had died. He was raised to life. Uh, The same Elijah who on multiple occasions in Scripture prayed and fire fell from heaven. Hello? Like, talk about cool party tricks. Like, watch this. When I pray, I can call down fire. Like, it happened multiple times in Scripture. We see Elijah prayed, fire fell. Pretty, pretty good model, right? The same Elijah, as James said, that prayed, and when he prayed, it didn't rain for three and a half years. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. The same Elijah who then, when he prayed again, guess what? The rains came. And, and James gives us this name of Elijah and says, you, you should pray kind of like Elijah prayed and model your prayer life after him. Now, we're going to be kind of transitioning from that passage in James to what James is referring to, the situation that James is referring to with Elijah, where he says he prayed and it didn't rain, he prayed and then it did rain. And so we're going to move into 1 Kings chapter 18 in just a moment. But here's what we need to know about the situation. The the setting is Israel. And there, there has been a series of kings that have led Israel away from God. So you had David and then you had Solomon. And at the end of Solomon's life, he began to to like sin and, and lead the people differently than he had in his early days. And then you had a series of kings after Solomon, a series of bad kings, bad leaders that led the people of Israel 
further and further away from God. If, if you're with me this morning, say yeah. Okay, so the, the leaders were leading the Israelites further and further into immorality, into idolatry. And it comes to this place in Israel's history where there's a king named Ahab. Say Ahab. Ahab, and he was married to, uh, the queen's name was Jezebel. And Ahab and Jezebel led Israel even further into this pattern of idolatry. And, and they had went after all of the prophets of God. And, and Elijah, at, at one point in the story, says, I'm the only prophet even left because uh, Ahab and Jezebel had, had raised up a, a, an army of false prophets. Now, when I say that word prophet, in the true sense, a prophet is just one who speaks on God's behalf. A prophet is one who speaks on behalf of God. And so you have Ahab and Jezebel leading the people into sin. And then you have Elijah, the, the true prophet who comes on the scene. And he, he basically shows up one day and he says to Ahab, he says, hey, yo, you're leading the people away from God and God isn't happy. And so because of that, you're about to get punished. And he says, the, the, the rain is going to stop. There's not going to be any rain for a period of three and a half years. The rains will cease. Now, we all know the, the devastation that can, that can come as a result of drought. And so he says, three and a half years, no rain. Mark my words. God said it. And then Elijah goes into hiding. He goes into hiding and there you can read in, in 1 Kings chapter 17, he goes to a brook and he's being fed by ravens. What's that about? Like God says, go here and the ravens are gonna take care of you. And he does that for a while. How many of you know that's pretty unlikely that the ravens would, would feed you, you know, that you'd be taken care of by ravens. Then he goes from the ravens to a widow. And when he shows up, and meets the widow, the widow's like, uh, yeah, I'm about to bake my last cake and me and my son are gonna go die because we don't have anything left. And Elijah comes and, and he says, nope, that's not gonna happen. Bake me a cake first and then God's gonna make sure that you don't run out. And, and God made sure that they didn't run out for uh, as, as long as the drought kept going. And, and so Elijah is with the widow for a period of time. I mentioned that the widow's son did die eventually, not because they didn't have cake, but for some other reason or bread. And, and Elijah prayed and he was raised to life. Are you all with me this morning? Yeah. Trying to help you understand where we're at in the story. And then eventually, three plus years later, after Elijah had confronted Ahab and there was no rain on the land, three years later, God says, hey, I want you to go back to Ahab and I want you to, to confront him again. And I'm gonna actually send rain after all this goes down. So here's what happens. Elijah sets up a showdown, a duel. Come on, anybody like a good Western where they're about to do the thing at high noon? Come on, somebody. And, and look, it is the high noon showdown of showdowns. And Elijah challenges Ahab. He says, show up on Mount Carmel, such and such time. Bring all your little cronies, all your 450 prophets of Baal. The Bible says there were 450 false prophets. He says, I want you to bring all of them and I'm going to show up all by myself. Look, he's outnumbered 450 to one. And then he says, 
Uh, you get a bull, I get a bull. I have an altar, you have an altar. We're gonna have a showdown. You can read about this in 1 Kings 18, but I'm just trying to give you the synopsis version. And they cut the bull into pieces, lay it on the altar. Elijah basically mocks and mimics the prophets of Baal for as long as he wanted to and just had a good time. Like maybe, maybe your God's not listening. Maybe he's in the bathroom, he says. It's like one of my favorite things. Elijah is a bad dude. And then he lets it go on for a long time until the prophets of Baal look sufficiently foolish. And then he says, remember, it's a drought. And he says, go get uh, buckets of water. I think it's four buckets. He says, dump them on my, my, my bowl. They go do that. It's a drought. How many of you know water is a pretty important commodity in a drought? And he has them do that. And then he says, okay, now go do it again. Buckets poured all over the bowl. Fire and water don't mix. Come on, work with me. And then he says, do it a third time. And he had dug a trench around his sacrifice and the water filled the trench up. And then he prayed and fire came from heaven. And in that moment, it, it turned the hearts of the people of Israel back to God. And the false prophets, they got smacked down in the duel, man. They, they, Elijah was like, now get them, round them up, take care of them, right? But then there's this moment that we're going to focus in on today where Elijah goes right from that crazy showdown, fire falls from heaven prayer encounter. And it says in verses Number 41, I believe it's verse 41, 1 Kings 18. It's going to be on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you can hang out in 1 Kings. We're going to be there for most of the duration of the service. And it says, after all that showdown happened, this is what Elijah said to Ahab. Elijah, the prophet, telling the king what to do, by the way. Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. Remember, they were in a three and a half year drought. And Elijah, the prophet says to King Ahab, hey, go eat and drink because I hear the rain coming. So let me ask you a question. How is it that Elijah heard the rain before he saw the rain? Watch this. It's because he had heard from God. Remember what God had said Earlier to Elijah, he said, after a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. This is 1 Kings 18, verse 1. Uh, after a long time, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the land. I will send rain on the land. So Elijah wasn't going by what he saw. He was going by what he heard from God in prayer. And today we're talking about some characteristics of Elijah's prayer life that, that we, we can emulate, that we can model our own prayer lives after. And here's the thing we have to understand. Elijah was so close to God that he knew what God was going to do before God did it. Come on. So here's the principle. Elijah had an abiding prayer life. Elijah had an abiding prayer life. Now that word abide, it just means to live in or stay. Look, we all have a place that we abide, where we live. Jesus said, John 15 verses, verse four, 
Abide in me and I in you. Elijah had an abiding prayer life where he stayed or lived in God's presence. Can I tell you the word, the word this morning with abide is stay. It's a place where you can stay. God, God's presence is a place where you can stay. Can I tell you though, too often it's a place that we just visit. But, but God is, is calling us to such a life of prayer that it's, it's an abiding life. It's not just a place that we go and visit from time to time, but it's a place that we reside in. We stay in. Look, this, remember, this isn't Elijah's first like powerful prayer moment. Remember the backstory. Like it, this was a lifestyle for him. He wasn't just, oh, first time like trying to pray for some miraculous thing to happen and the rain to begin to fall. He had seen the widow's son raised. He had seen the fire come from heaven. He had seen the rain stop when he prayed. And now we're at a place where he hears the rain before he sees the rain because he was so close to God that he knew what God was going to do before God did it. Are you with me this morning? Have you ever had a relationship, somebody that you knew or you spent a lot of time with and you spent so much time with them, maybe your spouse or a roommate or a friend, family member, you, at, at some point you spend so much time with them that you kind of know what they're going to do before they do it. You know how they're going to respond or what they're going to say before they say it. It's the same kind of principle here with Elijah. He had an abiding prayer life where he knew what God was going to do, send the rain, before God did it. Can I tell you this morning that we need an abiding prayer life? A prayer life that we don't just come to visit once in a while, but we, we stay connected. We stay connected continually with God's presence in such a way that we hear from him as he speaks. Remember, we said prayer is a conversation. It's not just us talking, it's us listening as well. Jesus said in John chapter 10 that he is the good shepherd and his sheep would know his voice. Let's look at the next principle, at what happens next and the next principle in Elijah's prayer life that, that we need in our own prayer lives. First Kings chapter 18, verse 42, it says, after this, Ahab went off to get to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. He bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Interesting. So if you look at this, it's very interesting when Elijah bent down to the ground and he put his face between his knees. Here's what you have to understand. He was crouching down in such a way that, that, that mimicked the way that women would actually give birth in this time, in this society. Now watch this. So he's literally in a labor position. Uh, a lot, look, back then, how many of you know, they didn't have hospitals and doctors and all of the equipment that we have today. And so when a woman would go into labor, this was literally the position that the woman would take in, in labor. They would bend down to the ground, put their face down. And, 
And so this is describing a labor position. Here's, here's what we have to know. Elijah is laboring in prayer. He's laboring in prayer. And the Hebrew word here is actually travail. Say travail. Travail is, is, is a word that, you know, we may not use a lot or, or we, we may feel uh, some sort of discomfort when we talk about travail. Come on, all, all the women in the room know, come on, labor is not comfortable. Praying with great emotional, physical, mental, or spiritual energy. Elijah was travailing in prayer. Can I tell you this morning that prayer is hard work? That having a, a, an effective prayer life that works requires work. We, we don't like to say that often in church or in, in conversations about prayer, but I, I just need to acknowledge this morning that prayer is hard work that it is laborious, that there are times when we, we are needing to travail in prayer, but everything in us wants to not pray. Everything in us wants to stop praying. You might say, well, when, when do you stop travailing in prayer? Elijah had a travailing prayer life. When, when do you stop travailing? Like, when does that stop? Well, it doesn't stop until something happens until something begins to shift. He travailed in prayer. He continued travailing until something changed. I've heard this acronym before. The acronym is PUSH. Say PUSH. How many of you know in labor, the last thing you do is PUSH. PUSH. Pray until something happens. Travail. Pray until something happens. Push. Can I be honest? We don't want to travail in prayer. In, in the church, in, in the United States specifically, we, we are used to things being easy. Come on now. Don't shout me down. We're used to like, come on, I can get what I want when I want it. And, and there's something about travailing that, is difficult and challenging, but I believe that we need to develop this habit of being able to travail, to pray until something happens, to put the work in, to, man, just get in the position of prayer and, and grind it out until something changes. Travail. Next. As we continue on in the passage this morning. So Elijah had a prayer life that was abiding. Elijah had a prayer life that was travailing. The third thing, Elijah had a prayer life that was knowing. That was knowing. Watch this. If God had already promised that the rain was coming, why didn't Elijah just wait until God made it happen? If he already knew it was going to rain, God spoke it into existence that it was going to rain. Why didn't he just wait? Well, remember a couple weeks ago, as we looked at the Lord's Prayer, we said in Matthew 6, 32, Jesus said, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. 
So again, if he knows that we need it, why bother praying? Come on, y'all have had that thought before. Here's why. Prayer is the human tool of faith that God uses. Prayer is the human tool of faith that God uses. Elijah had a knowing prayer life. In other words, he knew God would answer. Hello? He, he had a prayer life that was built upon the foundation that he knew when he prayed, God would answer. In Matthew chapter 6, we read it a few weeks ago. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things would be added to you. Then he goes on to say in Matthew 7, verse 7, ask and keep asking, knock and keep knocking, seek and keep seeking. Matthew 7, Jesus said that. Ask and keep asking, knock and keep knocking, seek and keep seeking. Well, why would I keep asking? Why would I keep knocking? Why would I keep seeking? Because we know that prayer is the human tool of faith that God uses. We know that God answers prayer. Come on, does anyone in the room know that God answers prayer? Does anyone in the room know that God works through our prayers? One modern theologian said it like this. God has a conditional will, say conditional will. And then he has an unconditional will. Yeah, come on, come on, unconditional. Conditional, unconditional. Now, let me define that really quickly. God's unconditional will is, look, this is what's going to happen no matter what you or I say or do. Y'all with me? Unconditional. God's going to do it. One day, Jesus is going to return. There will be a new heavens. There will be a new earth. The Bible foretells all of that. Unconditional. It's going to happen. Mark it down. But then there's also this element of God's conditional will. And God's conditional will is uh, related to things that God has decided to not let happen until he gets cooperation from you and I. Hello? There, there are things that God wants to release into our lives that he's waiting on you and I to cooperate with him for. Do you all believe that? Like there are some things that are just going to happen unconditionally, irrespective of what you do, say, don't do, don't say. But there are other things that God is looking for our cooperation. And if we will cooperate with God, watch this now, in prayer, if we will cooperate with God in prayer, there are conditional things that God wants to release in our lives because when we pray, stuff happens. Come on, that's like fundamental. If you don't believe that when you pray, God works, then most likely we're not gonna pray. But if we believe that when we pray, we're cooperating, we're partnering with God for things to break loose in our lives that maybe we've hoped for and waited for, when we pray, we're cooperating with God to see him work in our lives in new ways, to unleash his conditional will. James, again, said it like this in James chapter four, verses two and three. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. In other words, James said, God, God's saying, I want to give it to you, but you never asked for it. Or 
You asked, but you had the wrong motives. God's conditional will, you don't have because you don't ask. Some of us, we, we need to ask God for some things that are in our heart, in our spirits to ask God for, but we just haven't had the boldness or the faith to ask him. Other times we ask, but we have the wrong motives, James said. We have to have a knowing prayer life. Come on, don't, don't lose sight of this this morning. We, we need a knowing prayer life that we know what? That God works through prayer. That like Elijah, who knew that when he prayed, God was working, we have a knowing prayer life, knowing that God works through prayer. Can I tell you that without prayer, we limit ourselves to the physical realm? But when we pray, we tap into the spiritual realm. Essentially, prayer is the passport to get from the physical into the spiritual. Come on, there are things that God wants to release in the spiritual realm in our lives. I'm not trying to be weird or wacky, but I just believe that there's a spiritual realm around us and God works in the spiritual. And so many times we are living and operating in the physical. Prayer is stepping out of the physical, stepping into the spiritual and tapping into what God wants to do in the spirit. Matthew 6.10 Jesus said, we, we should pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Unconditional and conditional will of God. So let, let me frame it like this. How do we know how to align our prayers with God's will, right? Like how do we know that our prayers line up with God's will? Because Jesus said we should pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how do we know the will of God? Can I give you a secret this morning? We should pray with our Bible close by because the word of God gives us a framework to align our prayers with the will of God. Catch this. The word of God gives us a foundation to align our prayers with God's will. So, we can align our prayers with God's promises. Things like this. I'm gonna give you four promises, super quick. We align our prayers with God's promises. Promise, ready? This is a promise. God will renew your strength when you feel weak. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Say promise. Some of y'all got to believe it today. Promise. God gives wisdom to those who ask. Well, come on. Anybody need wisdom? James 1 verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Say promise. Man, some of y'all need a promise today. Promise. The devil will flee from those who draw near to God. James, again, had much to say about prayer. James 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Say promise. Promise God can forgive your sins and heal your body. Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was pierced for our rebellion, talking about Jesus. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. 
He was whipped so that we could be healed. These are promises of God found in Scripture, just a handful. There are so many more. But in order for us to uh, model our lives, our, our prayer lives after Elijah's prayer life, we need to have a knowing prayer life that we know that God answers prayer. Last thing, watch this, verse 43, as we prepare to wrap up this morning. Verse 43, Elijah said, Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. 1 Kings 18, 43. And he went up and looked. And the servant came back and he said, there's nothing there. How many of y'all have ever prayed and you felt like nothing was happening? Come on. Elijah prayed, the servant went and looked and he came back and he said, nope, I don't see anything. Nothing happening. Look, you're praying, but your healing hasn't happened. You're praying, but the financial breakthrough hasn't happened yet. You're praying, but the relationship hasn't been restored yet. Come on. And listen to what Elijah does. It says, seven times Elijah said, go back. And meanwhile, Elijah's praying this whole time. The seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Elijah had an abiding prayer life. He had a travailing prayer life. He had a knowing prayer life. He had a persisting prayer life. He had a persisting prayer life that even when it didn't look like anything was happening, he didn't allow the outward circumstances to affect the inward assurance. Come on, somebody needs to hear that today that he had. He didn't allow the outward circumstances to affect his inward assurance that God said there was gonna be rain, so I know the rain is coming. And he prayed not once, not twice, not three times, but it says that seven times Elijah said, go back, go back, go back. And we know that the number seven in scripture means fullness or completion. He prayed until it was complete. He persisted in prayer. Anybody ever felt like your prayers were being delayed? Like you were just hitting the ceiling, like I keep praying for, man, this breakthrough in whatever area it might be, but I, I just don't see anything happening. And a lot of times what can happen is we grow weary and we stop praying. Because we're not used to travailing. We're not used to persisting. But there's something about having a prayer life that will travail and persist that causes God to work through our prayers. And we see that here with Elijah. Guess what? Many of us maybe have other disciplines that you know, maybe you're here today and you're not even a Christ follower yet and you don't have a prayer discipline in your life or maybe you're newer in your faith and you haven't yet really developed that prayer discipline, but we have other disciplines, right? We have financial disciplines. We budget, we stick to the budget, we do all the things or, or we have uh, health disciplines. We're trying to eat healthy. We're trying to work out. We're trying to do these things or we have uh, maybe leadership disciplines. We're trying to grow in our leadership, in our workplace. And, and so there are things that we begin to do. Watch, watch this. 
You don't get fit and healthy by just eating healthy once or going to the gym once. Come on, we all wish that that was true, right? It takes consistency. It takes persistence. You don't work your way out of debt by hitting your budget for one week. You don't work your way out of debt by just doing really good at at keeping to the budget for one month. It takes persistence. And the same thing is true in in, in our prayer discipline. Watch this. People who don't lose heart persist in prayer. People who don't lose heart persist in prayer. People who lose heart don't persist in prayer. It's this paradigm, right? If, if we lose heart, it makes it harder to pray. We feel as though it's not working. God, this isn't working. I quit. I'm not going to pray for this anymore. You said it was going to rain. How come it hasn't rained? You said I was gonna, you said I was gonna experience healing. You said this relationship, you said my work, you said my career, you said this thing. God, God, I, I'm losing heart. And so what happens when we lose heart is we fail to persist. People who lose heart don't persist in prayer. As we kind of wrap up today, I just want to kind of review in this way. Elijah had an abiding prayer life, a travailing prayer life, a knowing prayer life, and a persistent prayer life. Prayer that works is abiding, travailing, knowing, and persisting. I know all of us want to have a prayer life that is effective. We don't want to just pray and and nothing happen. We want to have an effective life of prayer. And in order for us to do that, these are some characteristics that Elijah modeled that we need as well. Abiding, just staying connected, living in God's presence, living a life connected, not just visiting, but staying, travailing. When it gets hard, keep praying. When it feels like a lot of work, keep praying. Knowing, trusting and believing that what God says will happen. Knowing, believing that God works through prayer. Isn't it interesting that many times in scripture when Jesus was gonna heal somebody or or something miraculous was about to happen in the gospels, he would say, according to your faith, let it be done. Knowing knowing that God works through prayer. And finally, persisting, persisting. God, it's not happening, keep praying. God, it's not happening. I I don't see it. I don't see it in the physical. I don't see the rain cloud. I don't see the breakthrough. Come on, we, we all need breakthrough in different ways in our lives. In order to have a prayer, to have a prayer life that works, we have to persist. Jesus said this in Mark 11, 24, as we close. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours.